Welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware brought to you by the Alliance Party. Content for this episode was recorded on Friday, November 22nd, 2019. And a good evening to you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the Alliance Party After Dark. And this evening, we're talking with two individuals, Donna McGreevy and Sarah Work, who've been through the trenches of political campaigns and are here to tell us their stories and give us some insight. And most importantly, provide some inspiration to those out there who may want to seize the opportunity to run for office themselves. Donna McGreevy, in 2014, ran for District 74 of the South Carolina House of Representatives. She ran as a member of the American Party of South Carolina, now part of the Alliance Party. Donna is originally from Ohio, but has been living in South Carolina since 1978. She has two adult sons and six grandchildren. She's a retired registered nurse. She's also a breast cancer survivor for 24 years. Politically, she was an early member of the American Party of South Carolina and helped get the party certified in that state. Currently, she is the recording secretary for the Alliance Party of South Carolina. As an American Party candidate, Sarah Work ran for the state treasurer position of South Carolina in 2018. Sarah is a certified public accountant with a bachelor's degree in accounting and political science from Marietta College. She gained useful political experience and insight while interning in the British Parliament. She is a small business owner, a wife, and a mother of four young children. Sarah, I just don't know how you get that all done, honestly. How do you do it? I raise one kid. I think you're a hero for raising more than one kid. That's... A great partner. He he does the laundry. <laughs> oh, great. Well, that, that amounts to a lot. Yes. Uh, so, Especially with four anyway. children. <laughs> Oh, that's a lot of laundry. Yes. Um, so, so let's get so let's get this thing started tonight. Um, Donna, I, I I'd like to start with you. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, how, how do I say your candidate origin story? Tell us why you decided to take the plunge and become a candidate. Well, I was vested in the American Party. I had been involved uh, since the beginning uh, when Oscar Lovelace and Jim Rex thought of the idea and we went through you know all the time of uh, getting the petition drive going and collecting over 10,000 signatures took you know the better part of a year to do that once I found out that once you have all those uh, certified signatures uh, you have to have candidates or you got to start all over again. And Ouch. I knew what That's that involved. And I'm like, yeah. where are we going to get these candidates? And we had some potential candidates, but I was having a conversation with some of the other people in the party. And they're like, well, you should run. And I never, ever imagined that I would run for a political office. And I'm like, yeah, right. Uh, the closest I came to anything like that was being on the uh, homeowners association board for a number of times. And I thought, well, I, I said, I don't even know what I would run for. And um, so they pulled out their little magic phone or whatever they had all their information on and came up with the fact that we wanted it to be a partisan um, position so some mm -hmm. local offices are not um, school board and such. You may, you know, be a, a member of a party, but it doesn't necessarily reflect in those type of offices. So the lowest, and I was going for low, the lowest mm -hmm. uh, ranking office would have been um, the South Carolina House of Representatives. So okay. the next thing was to see, you know, uh, if there was you know, who was in the office, uh, had they ever had anybody run against them, and those sorts of things. So I found out that um, the person who who was in that role w had been in the office for 14 years uh, and largely ran unopposed. I think maybe once or twice had somebody run against him. Um, he was also unopposed from within his own party or were unopposed or any, any other party. party. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's kind of a given you, you put your name on the ballot. And as it turned out, when I did decide to run, um, there was no evidence that he was doing any campaigning at all. Um, mm. but, um, 
anyway, um, so I, you didn't I feel felt, the need to connect with the people with, there wasn't any competition, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. so, so I, um, you know, I, I started asking questions and doing research. I read about, you know, what, what the qualifications were. And I think it was mostly, uh, residency, uh, and age or something like that. Um, and then how much work would be involved. Uh, it, you know, the, I didn't even realize the legislature didn't meet like year round. It's I think just mm-hmm. in the beginning of the year. Um, but then there would be some constituent services, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, so right. I thought, well, maybe I could do this. So, um, that's, that's basically, you know, I just, I w- was not going to let this party get off on the wrong foot or not on any foot. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I, then I started getting kind of excited about it <laughs> and I talked to, talked to my family and, um, and they're, they're like, you gotta be kidding. Wow. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and, um, you know, my dad was not, uh, a politician or, um, very politically active other than he, you know, he was very knowledgeable about history and civics and, and, um, you know, was, uh, I just, he's been dead since 1987. And I, my thought was, oh my God, he would just be off the chart excited about this. And Mm. so I just kind of jumped in with both feet. So you kind of found your passion. I mean, at first it sounded like it was sort of a practical, thing to do for the for the party at that point and it never dawned on you but then after it's the ball started rolling it sounded like you found your passion for it and, and started started really getting into it then. i did yeah and then you know then there's all the things you have to do you know signing paperwork and um and the day that i uh, went down to the county office to to sign the paperwork I got a call that they wanted to interview me on one of the local talk radio shows. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. So, Suddenly you're a rock star, huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no records yet. <laughs> no record. Well, it's, it's, it's good, though. That's a, but, so, uh, Sarah, how about yourself? What, uh, what got you into uh, running for office? And um, tell us a little bit about your passion for it. Okay. Um, well, I ran in 2016 also for a general assembly position, um, but I ran as a writing candidate and uh, just posted signs and told people about it and put up a website. And the weirdest thing is, is that I was getting all kinds of calls from like neighbors and stuff. Like, how do you write your name in on a ballot? Like, how do you write a name in on the ballot? And I was like, oh, geez. So Mm. I knew that I wanted to run again in 2000. 18 against the same um the same incumbent and Mm -hmm. uh but i i needed to run for a party because i running as a writing candidate is great but it's uh you know you have the freedom to do whatever whenever however uh but the the challenge is is that people they they don't they don't understand i was surprised at how many people didn't realize how to write your name how to write a name in on a ballot and, yeah, they probably don't make it easy for a reason, I would suspect. But well, in South Carolina, it's it's um, it's automated. It's all on a computer, so you just you have to click the line that says "write in," and then you have to type the person's name, uh, and mm-hmm. that's that's how you write. And then you have to accept. You know, basically, then you have to go back and then vote for that person, like put a check mark next to that person. Oh, so you have to put their name in first, and then you vote for them. That's, yes. Wow. Yeah. So that's an uh, extra step. A lot of people probably wouldn't but know how to do. Yeah. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a, I mean, it's just because it's not, people don't run that way. You know, it's usually like mm-hmm. the name's there, you put the check mark next to it and you move on or you, you know, right. one of the re- problems we've had in South Carolina is uh, straight ticket voting, but that's another issue altogether. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, um, so I was like, well, I, I definitely want to run for this office again, because I think statistically speaking, like between 70 and 75% of state house, um, representatives run unopposed continually, like year after year after year. And it, not just in South Carolina, like nationwide, uh, that's, that statistic seems to be consistent. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had been doing my research about political parties in South Carolina, and I knew that I, d- I am not one for pigeonholes. I do not like to be 
classified by someone else's beliefs. Um, my motto in life is I'm not here to be normal. So the, mm. uh, so the one thing I knew I've been living I, by that rule my whole life. I didn't realize yeah, I know, it. Right. <laughs> so, um, the, so the one thing I wanted to do is make sure I ran outside of the political boxes. I wanted to make, I wanted again, I, I wanted the freedom to run as my own person and not be, uh, dictated to, or, um, basically pushed one way or another on how I would represent myself and my constituents. So mm-hmm. uh, I did my research and uh, the American party in South Carolina was, uh, that's the name of it at the time. And um, I was like, oh, this sounds like, this sounds like it might be a good fit. So I talked to my husband about it and he's like, well, give him a call. It doesn't hurt to call him and see what they're about. So uh, I called the phone number and it rang directly to Jim Rex at the time. So um, left him a message and he called me back with, you know, pretty quickly. And we arranged to have a meeting um, shortly after the election, the 2016 election, when everyone was, you know, elated or depressed and having their own emotional reaction to the, to the election of 2016. And, um, you know, he's, he said, this is a perfect time to run as a third party candidate. And so we stayed in touch and was it the following February, like two months uh-huh. later or was it no? Cause yeah, it would have been two months later, 17. No, it would have been 18. Uh-huh. Um, so in the, in the February of 2018, there was a, um, a convention called unrig the system and yes uh they uh the american party at the time was trying to put together a group of people to go down and kind of spread the news about the american party and what we were trying to accomplish in south carolina basically providing an opportunity for individuals to gain ballot access without having to jump through the partisan hoops Mm -hmm. and uh and i said and they they had asked me uh and we had had a little conference in columbia and they said we're trying to put a group together who's interested in going i said well it's early enough in february tax season isn't in a total uproar by then i definitely would be interested in going so tax um, season because you're a cpa and that would have kept you pretty busy for the next right few yeah so once imagine. once we get into february it gets really kind of heavy uh so mm-hmm. um but i told my boss about it and i said it's early enough in tax season i'll make up the time because when you work 70 hours there's no way you can get out of making up the time so uh so then we went i went with donna and some other folks from the american party the five of us um trucked on down to new orleans and we we just had a weekend we had a weekend of networking uh you know handing out flyers about the alliance or the american party at the time and um just trying to introduce ourselves to as many people as possible and kind of put put ourselves on the map and um, in the process of, you know, hanging out with, with these folks from, from South Carolina, um, one of the gentlemen had um, been a public servant. He'd worked in administration for various different governors in the state of South Carolina. And he had made me privy to um, basically the unethical, um, dealings of our current state treasurer. And he said, given your background as a CPA, he's like, have you done any auditing? It's like, yes, I've done auditing. He's like, you know how to read financial statements? Of course I know how to read financial statements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know how to, you know how to talk to bankers, talk to them all the time. Talk to this, you know, I talked to the South Carolina, North Carolina department of revenue. I've talked to the IRS. I know how to, I know how to work my way around a bureaucracy. And uh, so what do you think about instead of running for um, General Assembly, there's the state house, why don't you, would you consider running for treasurer? Uh, so I was like, well, um, well that's, oh. that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big transition. I mean, I know that you're, you're eminently qualified for it with your background, but as a treasurer, you have a tremendous amount of money that you are responsible for that. That's sounds- right. South Carolina isn't California, which could be like its own country. Um, but it does, I mean, it does have several billion dollars worth of um, dollars to manage of the taxpayers mm-hmm. money and making sure that the money can be available when needed and all that kind of stuff. So, um, 
it was a big, it was a big ask. And, and ultimately one I discussed with my husband and it just felt right. You know, it, it wasn't a position mm-hmm. where I would have to like dig in and like really wave my, my, my flag and have people coin me as, oh, this is just a Democrat in, you know, sheep's or sheep's mm-hmm. clothes or a Republican in sheep's clothes or however they wanted to label me. Um, right. This was a position where, you know, my, my merits stood independence of someone else's just based on my education and my professional um, background. So, mm-hmm. so that's how, that's how I, and you know, after talking about it with my husband, that's, we, we picked it up and ran with it. Well, you both, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I was noticing Donna too, is talking, you know, you always kind of circle back to your family. I mean, it, that's, that's gotta be a, a big part of your decision. You know, the, they, you have to have that support from your family unit because um, I can imagine, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what, what it takes to be a candidate, what it actually is to run. But I it just, as you two are talking, I'm just thinking about family. My goodness, that you have to really be, um, have a support network there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sarah and I were uh, yeah. kind of talking about it the other day and, and um, we were saying how um, kind of, amazed and and grateful we were for the response and the yeah uh our the reactions of our families were you know just they were so proud and uh my Mm. i have two sons and um, i don't know uh if people out there have the same sort of reaction but sons love to tease their mothers uh in my experience yeah and so you know being a father, I know nothing about that. But, uh, <laughs> <Right>. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, but my 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 sons are great. But you know they they love to give me a hard time about stuff, and I thought for sure they'd be like, "Oh my God, you know what do you think you're doing or whatever." But they were so proud, and um, and when I at the beginning I had a, a kickoff party, and um, Jim Rex said he met both my sons, and he goes, "Oh my God, they're just." so proud of you they're just you know couldn't say enough good about you and um yeah so I, and and all my grandkids came to the to kick off and everything and and even you know my siblings that are you know don't live in south carolina um were excited and you know just wanted to do anything they could to to help so that, that is that is a really good story because that i i um, i can appreciate that i mean you you can't do it without your support from your, from your close, from your close people that are closest to you. Right. Yeah. And for, um, for me, a very similar situation. Um, but the crazy thing is, is like people who, who don't necessarily agree with me politically, um, within my family and that we, you know, we've butted heads several times contributed Mm -hmm. and contributed heavily to my campaign because they saw me as the better candidate for the position you know, even though even though our ideological um, mm-hmm. centers were different, they understood the problem that we have in the treasurer's office, and they saw me as you know as a contender because of my my education and my my professional background. So um, you know, they're like, I'm not necessarily going to support you for a general assembly or a con- congressional position, but this one makes sense mm-hmm. and, and you would kill it. So, um, yeah, so they put in. That's good. That's really good. Now you, you both mentioned, uh, Jim Rex. I thought I would just, uh, say for our listeners that, uh, Jim Rex is currently the, uh, national chair for the Alliance party. And, uh, we've had him on this show several times already. Um, just want to make sure that, you know, if people want to listen to Jim Rex himself, he actually listened to the previous versions of this podcast and you'll, hear it uh, directly from Jim himself. Um, so you, you talked about, you know, we, we talked about, you know, getting the rock star treatment and so on, but that kind of brings to mind a different question here was, um, you know, meeting people, you know, you, you've, you're going to have constituents, you're going to have people that are going to vote for you. You've got to get out there and, you know, shake hands and kiss babies, as they say. Um, so what sort of, how do you, how do you get 
out of your you know little bubble that you're in every day that you know taking care of your life and now you're going out there and trying to meet as many people as you can i mean my goodness what do you do do you just hang out at the you know local county fair or something like that how do you how do you get that ball rolling with meeting people donnie you want to take that no. one well oh, county, yeah, fair, anybody, just county fair is it. not a bad idea <laughs> um mm-hmm. For me, I um, was able to um, take a couple of friends and um, and walk neighborhoods. Uh, the the uh, district that I'm in has quite a few neighborhoods that are very walkable. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in in as far as you know, not a lot of uh, hill climbing or uh, so. In my, in my district is. Um, walkable in that um, there's uh, a lot of neighborhoods that have houses that are relatively close together. Um, And I had um, someone who had volunteered to help with the American party and he was in my district and willing to help me write some papers, white papers, I guess you could say, or essays on Mm -hmm. some of the um, issues that I thought were important. One that I recall um, is um, was domestic violence. So I I created a flyer that I could put in people's doors, and it had mm-hmm. my picture and my contact information, and then information about the um, the party and about um, these ideas that I had. And um, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you a story later that uh, one of those flyers got into the hands of some someone very interesting to me. Uh, but so, so we would walk these neighborhoods and for the most part, just leave the flyers because you could just do a whole lot of those. And then people would be coming out of their door or walking their dog. And so we would stop and, and talk. And I just felt it was such an amazing feeling to, to be able to listen to people, what they had to say, um, and try to, you know, imagine what I might be able to do to to make their lives better. And, um, it was just, to me, that was the most, um, fun and, and rewarding part of it. But there were a lot of other, um, opportunities to meet people. One of the big things that, that we did was we went, we did go to the state fair. Um, and for Mm -hmm. me, it was, uh, it was a good, connector uh, because it was I my district is in Columbia which is the capital of South Carolina and the state fair is in Columbia so a lot of people from Columbia not necessarily my district came through Mm -hmm. to the booth that we had for at the time the American Party Um, the other statewide candidates that ran at the same time that I did uh, made a lot of connections and um, in fact, when we were getting our petition drive, um, wrapping that up, we managed to get all the counties. We had signatures from every one of the 46 counties in South Carolina because we were able to, you know, reach out to all these people who came to the state fair. So that was. Well, you're talking about when the, uh, the signing of the petitions, that was necessary part of becoming or the getting the American certifying for the state. That was in. Okay. Um, yeah. 2012, I believe. Okay. And how about, uh, how about you, Sarah? What, um, with festivals what sort of- and such. So for me, festivals worked mm-hmm. kind of as a, a, because I was running as a, a statewide candidate it was, it was a little bit more challenging for me to really get in front of constituents in their space, like in their area. So mm-hmm. what I used festivals for was a kind of, springboard for my online advertising so i would go to like the pecan festival and i'd take pictures of me and my family like walking around and handing out uh flyers and pamphlets and um me talking to folks and you know they have this iconic balloon like blown up balloon thing that looks like a giant pecan just me standing in front of it and what I would mm-hmm. do then is I would go home and post those things on social media and then uh. boost the post in that area so that folks in near the pecan festival could see me being in their space. Uh, and, and I had more positive response from those, those sort of in, uh, reactions and 
I think, more visibility than actually being at the Pecan Festival. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask you about the uh, the social um, aspect of it, because uh, running for a statewide office, that would be, I think, a little more effective because you have to cover a lot more, lot more territory. Yes. Yeah, you couldn't, like, like Donna said, she's walking door to door. Um, which is difficult enough to do within a neighborhood, I think, but try doing that over the whole state. That's, I don't yeah, think and, that scales and so well. The um the challenging we had, you know we had talked to Donna and I had talked about getting media attention and um I did actually do some um door to door pamphlet putting out and I and I made a mistake. I'm uh, there was my my one faux pas was my um, cards my information cards were kind of glossy. And um, mm-hmm. I was in Charleston, which is a coastal city and, and can get very warm in the day and have like these random afternoon showers. Uh, and mm-hmm. I put my my cards on the windshields underneath the wipers. So they wouldn't blow away. I didn't want to be littering. And um, all morning long and like at three o'clock, I'm heading out of town and I see this this huge mass of clouds coming at me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh all my cards are going to get soaked. And what ended up <laughs> happening is that a combination of the, them being on the hot windshields and then the water, and they had that mm. like glossy, it glued them to the windshields. Yep. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's not going to go. It's not going to get washed away. So people were like, why did you put this sticker on my windshield? I'm like, oh my God, it's not a sticker. <laughs> it's not a sticker. Oh, it gosh. is, it is a card. And I apologize profusely. Um, some, I did end up sending a couple, um, like vouchers for a local car wash place to a couple people. Cause they were just so adamant that I take care of it, which is, um, which is, you know, I, it, I, uh, it wasn't terrible. Um, but at the same time I was, I was mortified about, about that. And, um, it's just one of those things. Well, those what th- you could do is just call the local news department and have them do a news story on it with the, I did. With the theory I of actually, course that any publicity is good. Publicity, yeah, I know. So. But, and I actually did, um, I did call them and left a message and said, if anyone calls the news station and, and I am available for comment, please, you know, please contact me. I, I would like to apologize profusely i had i meant no harm you know in doing this um i was just mm-hmm. i am a i am a humble third-party candidate in a three-legged race trying to get my name out there and um going back to jim rex he said you know he said he said well i bet you none of those people are going to forget your name when they go to the ballot box. exactly <laughs> well, the ballot box it's stenciled on their windshield it's now. To their windshield that's right so um i mean there's there's just simple lessons like that that every campaign will um every campaign will have their challenges. And, um, that, that was, you know, my little, my little moment of, oh, chaos. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Lesson to be learned. Exactly. Yeah. Note to self, don't use, um, glossy paper and stick on people's windshields. That's right. It didn't stick it. The rain made it stick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the heat and then the rain. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was just going to, that kind of dovetails in my next question. It was, you know, how do you get the media attention? Well, you found a way, I suppose, of getting maybe some negative media attention. But um, do you, uh, were you calling, uh, and this is for you, of course, too, Donna, were you, you guys calling any radio stations or TV stations or, you know, trying to put together not only, you know, obviously a social, uh, social media aspect to it, but, you know, real classic media, newspaper, television, radio, anything like that? The radio show that I was able to do was um, something that Jim had, Jim Rex had been interviewed um, on on this ch- local channel, and um, so when they heard that that we had these candidates now available, uh, they got got in touch with me. So it wasn't that I called them and said, could I be on your shows? Uh, someone, either Jim or some of the people that were helping with our organization at the time uh, may have contacted them. But, um, but I got a, a nice chunk of time on their, on their show and they were very receptive and positive. And it's one of these uh, kind of a drive time um, program. And I got, to, I got to talk about pretty much anything and everything that, that needed to be said. And, um, you know, they had some maybe misconceptions about, they said, you know, um, 
something about I was going to, you know, like really show him, you know, the guy that I was running against. And I'm like, you know, I don't really have any, any problem with him. It's just, maybe it's time for some new blood in there, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. I had, I had a chance to, you know, voice my, uh, feelings on it and not, not just, uh, you know, little quippy answers. So it was nice. Same here. Yeah. It was, um, just a contact that Jim had with a local radio station in Rock Hill for me. Um, I mean, I did get like some newspaper outlets who wanted, who do like, um, they do like, a. A little bit, a little bit of information about all the candidates for like their Monday before the polls open kind of article. So there was mm-hmm. a little bit of that, and you will get uh, diff- just different interest groups will send you information or a survey to fill out. Some of them actually requested I do um, like a Q and A kind of either over the phone or in person, uh, but. I mean, the treasurer's office is not the governor's office. It's not a sexy race, you know. Um, it's not one that yeah. really, like, pulls people's attention because, you know, you have a job to do. And how you do the job, you know, is is kind of within the confines of the law. And whether or not the treasurer follows the law and whether or not people pay attention is another, um, another topic of debate. But the... Um, it's just, it's not one of those races that really kind of like, oh yeah, the treasurer, what do they do? You, you, I spent more yeah. time explaining to people what the treasurer does than mm-hmm. trying to like get my my points across about what I wanted to change in the treasurer's office. And I think that Donna had mentioned that, you know, her race is, you know, just a, a small general assembly position. Um, I think in South Carolina, uh, general assembly seats earn $10,000 a year. So again, it's there. Oh, yeah. Our races were not, um, not hot to trot kind of big, um, right. big swirly media circus kind of exposés. So, and also I think if you want to, if you want to make, um, a big deal about things, you could, um, that, the uh, gentleman that I ran against um, is an attorney, and he was involved with a, a real controversial case. And I don't remember the the whole um, deal and what his involvement was. But I was not looking for any kind of negative publicity. So I just kind of, um, mm-hmm. I, I would bring it up maybe on an individual basis if somebody asked me about it. But um, mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to get news media that was on a negative flavor. Sure. Don't want to go down that path. That's uh, people are pretty much tired of hearing that. I think yes. so too. Yeah. And I've even, I was going to say just, um, I had gone to a, um, basically a forum where you have like three minutes to present your case to a room full of folks. And, um, I had been told kind of to point, point out what's wrong with the current treasure and, and some other conversations that I'd had. And, uh, they said, and, some people came up to me afterward and they said, we had you until you started, you know, bad mouthing the current treasurer. We were following you just fine. Um, mm. And so it's, it's, they, they even said, you know, there's just too much negativity and we appreciate that you're doing this, but we, we need you to tone, you know, and I wasn't being like overly aggressive, but they were just like, the negativity just turned us off. So I was like, wow, yeah. that's great feedback. Thank you for letting me know. I appreciate that it. is, that is, very, very key to understand that, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's take a quick break here. You've been listening to an interview with Donna McGreevy and Sarah Work, both of whom have lots of campaigning and political experience that they're sharing with us this evening. We'll be back after a short break. The two-party system that we've got is broken. The choices are awful. All we see is lies, cheating, deceit. You could say it about both parties. Neither one really stands for anything except acquiring and exercising power. The idea was to give the power to the people or the people have given the power away. And that's where the system broke. Government and our political system was designed to be malleable, you know, not rigid, not ossified, not always gridlocked. Absolute power does corrupt, absolutely. And that's why the founders set the system up to avoid having concentrated power in the executive and in the national branch. The founding documents are the best, it's the best government so far that we've come up with. Um, We're just not doing it. 
you know, it's tribalism, basically. If, if you're not on my tribe, then you're a bad person. You could say the sky is blue and I'm going to say, no, it's green. I think it's right out of a 1930s era playbook where if you can divide people, make them feel like something's being taken from them, probably pays well for them to make sure that everybody's divided because in essence, it keeps them in office, it keeps them in power, it keeps them employed. The amount of money that's involved in politics, it is crazy. And Obama's a smart guy, but not even he could, uh, he wasn't going to do it either. And I was like, okay, that's it. If he can't do it, it's not going to happen because uh, that's when I knew that the, uh, the lobbyists and the corporate interests, uh, the outside private interests that really have a hand in making sure that our political system doesn't work, uh, I knew that they had won. And I said, okay, third party is the way to go. What I think we're trying to do here is, is to make systemic change. Yeah, we need the right people, but there's not any one person, any one charismatic personality that's going to bring about the change that we so desperately need in this country. Our biggest goals are election reform. Knock down those barriers that have been built in the ballot access game by the state governments. Fixing the dark money. Getting good health care out there. We need more women. We need more minorities. We need more occupations and backgrounds. We don't have set paradigms and beliefs. We just want to solve problems. So we're open books. We're data sensitive. We want data. And we want to solve solutions that help the most people. Let's forget about where we disagree. Let's start with where do we agree? Let facts be facts and let truth be truth and afford people the opportunity to go and find the information they need. We require term limits of all of our candidates. Now, if you have more choices and competition, uh, just like any free market enterprise, competition is going to give you a better product. Focus on innovation and really learning on a local level. Free press and educating people in an unbiased way. Protecting and, and controlling the deficit. Respect and courtesy. Honesty through transparency. Openness and transparency. Transparency. I think that's incredibly important uh, in a number of areas, but especially in finances, so that voters can connect the dots. We want to leave this place in a better condition than we left it for the next generations, pure and simple. Not just my children, all our American kids. We need to educate every single individual in this country. So every individual has tools they need to succeed in life. Ultimately, that's what we're doing this for, what we can help the American people be. Not what we say they can be, but what they want to be, and we'll get our party to that point. We're supposed to help each other rise up, enlighten each other, and start by being civil and respecting other people's opinions. There's nobody left. We have to do it. There's right and there's wrong. <laughs> nobody owns it. You know, JFK, I believe, was quoted as saying something to the effect of, we don't need to look for the Republican answer or the Democratic answer, we need to look for the correct answer. And that's the types of conversations we're not having. As a people, are we doing what we should be doing? We're back. We're talking with Donna McGreevy and Sarah Work, two individuals with lots of campaigning experience here tonight to share their experience and insight. Let's pick up where we left off. Okay, so Donna, we talked earlier. You said you wanted to talk. You alluded to something earlier where you, you did a mistake of your own or a faux pas, we would call it. I'm just dying to hear your story about this one. So can you <laughs> can you relate that to the rest of us? Right. Well, as as uh, with Sarah's ex, uh, ex, uh, example, I had no idea what I was really getting into with with being a political candidate. Um, uh, probably even less than Sarah, but um, I felt pretty confident with this these flyers that I had because it uh, really laid out some good ideas that I thought were you know pretty solid. And so you know, as a matter of fact, I think the numbers of number of votes I got probably were I didn't do statistics, but maybe you know at least uh, a fourth of the number of pamphlets that I spread out brought votes. So mm. anyway, toward the end of the election uh, or the uh, campaign time, it was about two weeks before the election, we were we were knocking out some more um, neighborhoods and we went to the neighborhood where my opponent's uh, law office is and there just happens to be another law office in the same neighborhood. And so I thought, well, it's not a house, but, you know, we, we were leaving them in the door. We weren't 
putting them on the mailbox because that's against uh, federal regulations. So mm-hmm. anyway, didn't think another thing about it. And a few days after uh, we had distributed these flyers, I got a, a phone call from uh, this attorney, not the one, not my t- opponent, but uh, this other attorney who said uh, he was very impressed with uh, what he read and um, would uh, like to meet me. And so I was like, wow, okay. Uh, so I asked him if it was okay. I had uh, gotten these magnetic signs that you put on your car. You know, like uh, one time I was parked next to a uh, Mary Kay lady and we had our matching, kind of matching magnetic <laughs> signs on her cars. But uh, I said, what, uh, he said, oh, there's plenty of parking in the back of my building. And I said, well, if there's a spot on the street, do you mind if I park out there? Because I've got signs on my car. And he goes, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Just in right case in of see. Yeah. and um, his neighbor. But anyway, um, so I, I did meet him in his office and we were having just a, a very nice conversation. And, you know, I was telling him all about the American party and how, you know, kind of having a conversation like this, just, you know, I thought he was interested in, uh, in the whole, the whole works. And if he would vote for me and tell some of his friends about it, that'd be great. And the next thing I know, he's pulling out his checkbook and he said, I'm sure that, um, that you would like a donation. And I'm like, Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, well, you're caught in a headlight. <laughs> and I was because I had done some fundraising. I had sent out fundraising letters. We can talk about that later, but I had done a little fundraising and I had what I thought I needed. Um, and I still had a little bit of reserve in my uh, campaign account. And with two weeks left, I like, I'm scrambling in my brain to think, what could I do with additional money? And I couldn't think of Mm -hmm. a thing because I wasn't going to print any more flyers. We had covered all the neighborhoods we needed to. I had already ordered signs that would have taken probably too long to get any more. To get them to come in. So I'm like, I said, you know what? I I really don't, I I hate to take your money because I I really don't (laughs) need any more money right now. And he's like, he just kind of looked at me like, wow. He said, you're unusual. <laughs> and um, so it's unusual a, in a good way, I hope. Yeah, I think he was, yeah. I think he was kind of impressed. And I, and mm-hmm. I thought, well, that's, that's pretty cool. I'm glad I'm in a position to be able to do that. But then when I talked to uh, some of the people with the party later on, specifically Jim <laughs> Rex, <laughs> he's like, you never turn down a donation if somebody wants to donate to your campaign. And I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) So anyway, I, that's rule. Number one is if somebody wants to make a donation, as long as it's not for quid pro quo, (laughs) take it. (laughs) So we've all gotten to learn that phrase lately. (laughs) Yes. So so just say, thank you so much and write them a nice thank you note. (laughs) Good. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's good because you get if it doesn't go toward your immediate needs for your campaign. I mean, as long as it's clear to whoever's writing the check, I would think that if they understand, hey, this is going into the party, and it's it's going to. And that's what I did at the end of um, my campaign. I had um, you know a little bit of a surplus, and I just wrote a check to the party, and that's a legit legitimate thing to do with your um, overage. Um, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure what else. Uh, you can do with I it. I don't but, think, yeah, I, uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think there's much you could do with that money other than, um, yeah, mm-hmm. turn it into the party or maybe charity or something like right. that. Yeah, I, I think so. But, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I could have said, well, if you don't mind, if I, if I don't use it for every, you know, anything uh, for my campaign, would you mind if I donate it to the party so we can keep this going? And that mm-hmm. probably would have been fine, but I'd, I wasn't thinking and, um, you know, like for me, it was really hard to ask for money to begin with. And then to have right, somebody well, just like say, you know, well, let me give you a donation. I was like shocked. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably something too. I mean, it, it, that, you know, it, it could come along with some training with, you know, if you're being trained to be, um, running for office or something like that. I would think that that would be one of the things that trainers would tell you that, you know, A, don't turn down the money and B, always have, uh, um, 
always make that clear with the person that's donating that, you know, this is what's going to happen or this is what, uh, this is where your donation is going. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, I mean, funding, that's, that's something, uh, strangely enough, I'd like to talk about that right now. Um, you know, campaign, um, campaigns run on money. I mean, it's, it's all, it, you have to pay for the, you know, whatever, if you're going to have a staff and to pay for staff and to pay for the signs mm-hmm. and to pay for the venues and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's gotta be a bit of a, daunting task i would think is 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 getting those those uh the funding drives um because i think you know, a lot of people have you know kind of funny ideas about money and there's anxiety about money and so on but it you know at some point you got to say hey if we're really serious about running we got to fund this operation so right. um so like sarah what do you i mean what, well both of you i mean i could just kind of hang this out as an open question what do you do well, uh, Donna, I mean, Donna alluded to it uh, and, and even when you, when you go through, um, various training opportunities put out there by, uh, women's groups or whatever, they, they always say to, uh, ask, you know, basically get your Christmas card list out and, you know, what can you, can you go basically call people that, you know, family, friends, neighbors, and, you know, if ask them ask them to contribute. Um, I was, um, I was lucky enough to have a great support group with my family and, um, those who had asked me to run in New Orleans, uh, they were, they were definitely behind me, um, both, um, physically helping me put out signs and financially. Uh, so, Mm -hmm. uh, that was, that gave me basically the seed money I needed to, to get out there and, and, you know, get the materials and put signs down and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and Mm -hmm. as, and I, and even like just talking, just talking with clients, um, they would send me checks that I, I wouldn't even, I, I tried to keep my professional, my professional career because I had started my own business in order to run for office, um, just to give, give myself the freedom to not you know be tied to a desk, uh, and mm-hmm. my new my new clients, um, just even even like uh, employees at my new clients' offices were were sending me donations. Not not even not even not even having been asked, but just knowing that mm-hmm. I'd I'd want to see this person in office. It is just running for office is probably one of the most humbling experiences of my life. And I've had four children. <laughs> so, so, um, that says a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it is just the gratitude, um, that comes from people just saying bravo for putting yourself out there. And, um, it's just really, it's hmm. rewarding and humbling at the same time. That's really amazing. I mean, I, I just, I mean, obviously I never thought through it myself, but it's, it's cause I made donations myself. I don't think about it, right. A check for like 20 bucks mm-hmm. or whatever, something like that. But I guess, you know, it's, you're going to find a lot of people that are going to support you. How about, how about you, Donna? The same sort of experience? Um, I, I think what, when we, uh, when I got started, I uh, invited a lot of people, um, had a pretty good turnout to a kickoff party and um, Jim, Jim Rex and Oscar Lovelace, uh, who is the South Carolina chair for the Alliance Party now, um, they were the two that started the American Party. They were both there, and Oscar gave a real pep talk, and um, and he and I both kind of said, well, he he brought up the the funding, but I I wanted mm-hmm. to make everyone aware that up until. Um, I guess I got involved in politics when Oscar was running for governor and I never realized that you had, that they needed donations of money. I mean, I didn't really know where the money came from. I didn't really think about Mm -hmm. it. And so that's what I said. You know, I said, you know, you have to get signs and you have to, um, you know, print flyers and, um, you know, pay for gas to go places and stuff like that. So, um, I just didn't realize the importance of, of having the, the funds. And so, um, and then Oscar kind of, you know, backed it up and, and that really got the ball rolling because almost every one of my friends and family that were at the uh, party 
gave me a donation. And I think this whole, uh, and going forward, I think for candidates, uh, they can take a lesson from some of the, some of the candidates like Bernie Sanders, you know, his average donation right now is $18. He said at one point it was 37 or something, but, um, and you can get a lot of money if people will, will donate small amounts. A lot of people donate small amounts or recurring mm-hmm. amounts. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be large amounts of money. One other thing that I did was um, I've been a nurse all my adult life. And so there were a lot of doctors that I had worked with or who were my doctors and I composed a letter essentially saying, um, you know, how much I appreciated all that, that they had, you know, meant in my personal and, and professional life. And that um, as a candidate for the, the state house, I would hope to represent um, their interests as well as, you know, the mm-hmm. constituent. I mean, they would be a constituent, you know, and, and having someone Correct. medical in the state house would be important. And so I, I just sent out, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 letters. And, um, that was, that was like probably the bulk of the money that I got. Um, so they were larger, larger donations, but not huge, you know? So it really, there's, you kind of have to think about who, who would support you and why, and then reach out. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not easy, <laughs> as Sarah said. Well, you, it seems kind of a natural thing for you that, to think about that, though, to not only thank, you know, the, the doctors and, and fellow medical staff, um, to thank them for what they've done for you, but, uh, you know, to you know, move that into, you know, you, you're now going to take the next step in a political life. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, um, that's a pretty good instinctive uh, thinking there that um, – yeah, of course, people, they know you, they're going to support you. And, and that's really encouraging to hear that. So now the other side of this equation, though, is, okay, you got money coming in, you got to go out and do the, you know, the fund drives and, and get the money to come in. But now you have to, or I'm in my mind, I'm sort of turning this thing around and saying now, okay, that's money coming in. Now it's got to go back out. So, mm-hmm. you know, how, how do you, how do you determine how you're going to spend the money, you know, and, getting the, the most bang for your buck sort of thing. Um, One of the things... Is there some sort of playbook you use? Or? What, well, you know, we we were um, counting on some, some of the, the people within the party who had um, political experience, you know, campaigning for office, um, Jim and, and Oscar, for, for example, but um, and other people who knew about campaigns... Um, and in South Carolina, signs are huge. Um, mm-hmm. I remember I worked on a presidential campaign, and they were like, "Now we don't do signs. We, you know, we're not doing a whole bunch of signs." And my my granddaughter, who was about I don't know eight at the time, said, "Well, they must not like so and so very much because there's no signs out for them." And I told them at the mm-hmm. at the campaign office, I'm like. Even my eight-year-old granddaughter noticed, and um, you yeah, know, in yeah. South Carolina, signs are big, and so the good thing was, uh, and, and this is one of the benefits of running uh, in a party like the Alliance Party, uh, which is one of a kind, really, where the candidates talk to each other and help each other out, and you know, we would go to an event um, that was you know, like for the benefit of all of us, all, you know, um, somebody had a shrimp boil type of thing and that's a big, you know, party and, uh, outside. And we all got a chance to talk and uh, about what we were, you know, hoping to accomplish with our campaigns. And, but in the meantime, we could chat with each other and say, Hey, I found a really good place to get signs at a good deal. They ship for nothing or whatever, you know, um, mm-hmm. I've got some extra, uh, you know, the metal stands for signs. Can you use some, mm-hmm. um, you know, who's a good printer to, to use all that kind of stuff, um, you know, really helps you to make the most of, uh, of your expenses, you know, get the most 
bang for your bucks. Well, you're kind of running your own business there in a sense. In a way, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah. I, would, I just want to go hmm. back to the signs real quick. Um, you know, I was I was getting hydraulic fluid for my husband's vehicle, uh, and and I just while they're checking me out, I gave him my card, and I said, "Oh, well, by the way, I'm running for South Carolina State Treasurer." He's like, "Oh yeah, I know. I've seen your signs." <laughs> He's like, "I wasn't uh, sure yeah, if you were the yeah. same." the same person I saw on the signs, but I've seen your signs. And I was like, yes. And, um, and because I was running for a state, a statewide office, uh, I, and there were several, uh, other candidates running just, you know, local districts or whatever. I said, can I, I'm going to be in your area. Um, I've got a client I'm meeting over here. Can I give you like 300 signs and will you help me put them, will you put them out for me? They said, oh yeah, sure. We'll put out your signs with our signs as we, you know, we were putting them out in specific locations, strategic areas. Uh, we'll put them out together. And I said, and you'll pick them up to get, and they're like, yeah, we'll pick them up too. And then they, and because my intention is to run again, um, they brought them all back to me, the ones that didn't get run over by lawnmowers. So, um, you know, it's there, it's, I don't know many candidates who run with other parties where they work in tandem so well. Mm -hmm. That's a good point to make because I was, I was actually going to talk about that, um, and I guess now's a good time to talk about it. Uh, how, how does the Alliance Party, how, how are they of assistance or how can they be of assistance to you or, or anybody else really? I mean, this, I, I'd like some, to think that some of the listening audience out there would think about running for office themselves. How does the Alliance Party pitch in and help? In, uh, in the first place, um, it can save you a lot of money because uh, at least in South Carolina and every state has different um, ways that they handle um, elections. But in South Carolina, if you're running as a Democrat or a Republican, you have to pay a, a, a filing fee. And it's, it's based on sort of the value of your office that you're running for, um, a percentage of maybe what the salary is or something. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I think I saved uh, hundreds, maybe a thousand dollars because we don't pay a filing fee. Our candidates are nominated at our convention. So, so what we do is someone says, I'm interested in running on the Alliance party, uh, ticket. Then we meet them, we get to know them. Uh, we, you know, they meet with, with, uh, the committee executive committee, and then we have our convention and they are um, nominated as a, as a candidate. So mm -hmm. right there, they are saving money from the primary, the, the filing fee for the primary. And they can actually, mm -hmm. before our convention, they can actually say, I am um, hoping to be nominated as a candidate for the Alliance Party. Um, so so mm -hmm. not only is it helping financially, but um, they can get a little head start on it. So they can kind of, you know, start putting feelers out, uh, well mm -hmm. in advance. Um, so that, that's one way that, that, um, it's helpful. And we've mm -hmm. got a very, um, now with, with the national Alliance party, we have all kinds of resources, um, as far as marketing and, um, getting, um, voter information so that you know uh, like who's in your district and um targeting we have media mm -hmm. specialists yeah like so so like jennifer is she is uh, a media specialist so she knows how to get out um editorials to newspapers or a press release to the new the um the tv mm -hmm. stations so she's so um where i had no clue how to work with the media. The Alliance Party now has a national person who knows how to formulate and organize those uh, details and actually get them to the press. That helps a lot. <clears throat> how about other candidates too? Yeah. Do you talk about or do you talk with other people to you know, get to get all their uh, faux pas? Should I say the mistakes <laughs> that they've made that so that you don't you know put something on someone's car that's going to become permanent part of their car or something like that. That would be, I mean, that would be a great book. Like we should just like 
poll people as to like their campaign mistakes. Um, I mean, but it's in, and it's just, I mean, just in general, um, I don't know if we've necessarily talked about it until it's like put in front of us, you know, as a, as a topic to discuss, but I think it would be, I think that, you know, kind of, if we were to have our conference this year, Donna, I think we should talk about like what not to do <laughs> right, when you run right. for office, just to like lighten the mood while people eat lunch or something. But, but we're, we're definitely, um, wanting to make this, um, something that the people can realize that, that is not, it, it's not, you don't have to be an attorney. You don't have to be, uh, you know, somebody who's super politically savvy to, um, to want to run for office. And we, we throw back to the founding fathers of the United States of America. They wanted people from all walks of life to mm-hmm. come to Washington and, uh, you know, represent the people f- from their home uh, where they live and then do, you know, do that work for a few years, whatever, you know, and, and our party believes in term limits. So, uh, in, sure. in legislative offices, uh, 12 years, 12 years is the max. And then mm-hmm. it, if they want to run for governor or president, they can, that could be additional, but it's the executive branch. Yeah. yeah. So, and those are term limited anyway, but, um, I think just, just the simplification of the whole process and the support people who think, you know, well, I could probably do a better job than whoever, you know, they, mm-hmm. they have in office right now, they probably could. And, mm-hmm. you know, and if you have somebody to kind of hold your hand or, or walk alongside of you while you're doing it and encourage you and to ask questions and bounce things off of, I think mm-hmm. a lot more people would run for office. You know, I'd really like to, I, 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 we could talk for another two hours really as, as we're talking mm-hmm. here, I'm just thinking of more questions I could ask and like, Oh my gosh, but we have to call this thing, uh, conclude this thing pretty soon here. I would just, uh, just as a, a, a final topic to discuss here and, uh, if we could make it sort of quick is, uh, some final advice to future candidates. Um, uh, Donna, why don't we start with you and, Final advice for candidates who might be considering running? Um, if, if you're considering running uh, at all for, for any office, or if you don't even know what office you might want to run for, um, go, you could go to thealliance.party.com. There's an amazing um, little ticket that you see as you get right on there that tells you about... Um, that's oh, right there on the front page. It's or, right yeah. on the front page. Yeah. It looks like a it looks like a theater ticket blown up kind of, but yeah. um, if it could you can find out what offices are available in your area, um, who to call if you don't even know where to start. We're just so thrilled to have uh, our numbers growing. We're we're in twenty nine states now, as far as I know, um, mm-hmm. unless they've added something <laughs> in the last uh, few days, but. I think um, just call. People are so willing to um, help, and, um, and and we'll we'll get you started. You know, with whatever your question is. There's no stupid questions except the ones you don't ask. Um, so exactly. just go to our website, uh, theallianceparty.com, and if if you want to find out if it's uh, active in your state. Uh, even if it's not active in your state, call us because we, you, we may be in the process of adding your state. So welcome aboard. Wonderful. And Sarah, how about you? Any final words of advice for somebody that might consider running? Yeah, I would ask people who consider running for office to consider why they're running. If you're running to gain some kind of political power or, you know, be, be dominant in just whatever kind of argument you have against the incumbent or whoever you're running against. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend, um, I wouldn't recommend you seek office. And instead I would, I would recommend that you seek office to help, to be, to help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one gentleman, I, I, he was actually, he had run for governor and he asked me, how will you measure success? 
you're in, you're in a three-legged race. How will you, obviously, as a third-party candidate, you know, we have, a, we have a lot of reds and blues over here, and people aren't going to look towards the middle because their their emotions are pulling polarizing them so much what what are you, how are you going to measure success and I said and I had to think about that and I said my goal as to be for the success of this can of this candidacy was is to get one more person to run for office mm-hmm. and to run for office as an as what was the American party but now the alliance party if I can get just one more person to run for office under a third party or not a third party, but just for the Alliance party, that would be a success for me. So think about it and talk to your family, do it for the right reason. Do it because you want to help people or because you see, you see a problem that you think needs to be changed. Um, Be the change you want to see in office, be the choice you want to be on the, see on the ballot. Wonderful. Very well put. Very well put. Okay. We're going to have to conclude. I've, uh, like I say, I have a lot more questions I'd like to ask, but we just, uh, sort of running up against the timeline right here. Um, uh, let me just say this. Uh, we've been talking with Donna McGreevy who ran for the 74th representative district of South Carolina and Sarah work who ran for the South Carolina state treasurer. Uh, Donna and Sarah, thank you very much for spending time talking with us this evening and sharing your experience, your wisdom, and inspiration. And faux pas. <laughs> and faux pas, yes. Thank you, Dan. Yes. I was going to leave those yeah, out. Yeah, thanks so much, Dan. It's been fun. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and thank you to our listening audience for tuning in to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week, we'll bring you an interesting topic from the Alliance Party. You may subscribe on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. All content for this podcast is copyright the Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Alliance Party. This podcast is a production of the Alliance Party, a decades-long movement of fiscally conservative, moderate, accountable, and reasoned independents, former Democrats, former Republicans, and alienated voters who demand that our elected officials work in the spirit of nonpartisanship for all constituents and provide a better future for our country. This podcast was made possible by your donations to the Alliance Party. If you would like to help sponsor this podcast directly, get in touch with us through our website at theallianceparty.com. Don't forget the indefinite article in the front, theallianceparty.com. Actually, that's that's a definite article, isn't it? I need to study my grammar there. Anyways, uh, get in touch with us through our website at theallianceparty.com. If you'd like to join the Alliance Party, visit our website at theallianceparty.com. Drop in and see what we're all about. Get involved, volunteer your time, make a donation, submit an article or blog, or run for office. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the Alliance Party After Dark, and on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. Be safe and be aware.